Great at Ottawa City Hall in the coming months and, and, and quite possibly years is an expansion to the urban boundary. Now, I, I, I would remind you that Ottawa is, um, is 2,900 square kilometers. It is 2,900 square kilometers. And the expansion, if it is approved, the expansion of the urban boundary is 1,650 hectares. 650 hectares. Uh, nevertheless, uh, causing great debate among the uh, various members of the city council. We're going to focus right now, though, on, on uh, intensification, uh, urban expansion, and housing affordability. And we're going to do that uh, with the help of Wendell Cox, who joins me now. And uh, Wendell Cox is a senior fellow at the Frontier Center for Public Policy. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, it's very nice to hear from you. So you you did a report, and uh, it, just to throw it out there, you did a report for the Greater Ottawa Home Builders Association, right? Right. Right, right. called uh, Urban Containment Policy and Housing Affordaf- Affordability. Now, it was done on behalf of the Greater Ottawa Home Builders Association. And as, as far as I know, the Greater Ottawa Home Builders Association would like an expansion of the urban boundary, right? Well, I, I, I'm not with them. I only uh, okay. did a report for them. Okay. Now, how would you describe affordability of housing in Ottawa right now? What, what's been the trend? Uh, it, it, it is much worse than it used to be. You have seen your house prices triple relative to income since 2000. And in the last year, in the last six months, house prices have really taken off relative to incomes, which is a real problem, obviously, for first home buyers and that kind of thing. So we look at, uh, I am co-author of an international housing affordability survey, the Demographic International Housing Affordability Survey. We look at housing affordability in nine nations, and our data basically shows wherever you have severe unaffordability, you have insufficient land having been approved for development on the edge, places like Sydney, London, Vancouver, Toronto, et cetera, et cetera. And, and um, our basic point here, and, and my own personal interest as a consultant, is in improving affluence and reducing poverty. And I think that's the real, uh, the, the real, thrust, the, the real thrust here. Um, wherever, wherever you have a severe unaffordability, you have... Uh, urban containment boundaries, and uh, it is our hope, it certainly is my hope, that the council will approve a sufficiently large expansion of the urban boundary to keep housing affordable, not to permit it essentially to go up, uh, especially in these terrible times where I can't think that anybody would expect uh, incomes to do anything but go down uh, for a little while. Okay, so how, uh, you, you mentioned many cities there. The how all things being equal, say in percentage terms or however you would measure that, housing affordability in Ottawa compared to other other cities. How do okay. we compare? Well, for, for, first of all, we use a standard of of, a, of of housing should cost no more. That is, you know, housing should cost no more than three times incomes, three times household incomes. Um, until about 2005, Ottawa was was about 2.9, which is pretty good. Um, it is now 4.1, so it's much worse. However, I can tell you that in 2005, um, Toronto was about 3.9, and it's now 8.6. Wow. 
Um, or you can look at Vancouver, which was 5.7 in 2005 and is now, I think, 11.9. So, I mean, I mean the, the, the OECD, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, the international organization, has identified uh, the fact that the middle class around the first world is greatly threatened at this point, and the principal reason for that is the rise in housing costs. And by the way, not the rise in rents, though they're concerned about that quite rightly, but the big increase has been in, in, in the cost of owned housing. Okay, so when you say when you say uh, three times household income, so say for example, I, I'm just trying to figure out what you mean there. So say the household income is a hundred thousand, then a house should cost three hundred thousand. Is that what you mean? Or, that's right. Roughly, or less, and you know, we use median values. Median to values. To try to okay. get it uh, to, sure. to try to get it middle income housing affordability, which we think is the real issue here. Okay, so there must be a supply demand issue here because it would seem to be if we had more houses maybe the price would come down um, and this yeah, is where this planning is problem with urban with urban boundaries oftentimes right. they're drawn far too strictly this forces up the land prices and that's why you've got 8.6 as opposed to 3.9 housing price uh, index in in Toronto at this point um, around the world there's plenty of research on this and and if if you don't allow enough housing to be built where people want it, which is largely on the urban fringe, and I'm not saying you shouldn't have intensification because uh, there's plenty of of demand for intensification, but but it is not a substitute for a family that wants a yard, you know. Yeah. Now. I'm wondering if the fact that they're, Ottawa is surrounded by a green belt, which is largely seen as untouchable, and you have to kind of leapfrog the, the green belt to get to suburban communities already, d- does that even exaggerate the situation even more? Oh, oh yeah, it could. And it see, could, the, yeah. the, the, one of the big problems with planning has been that it has failed to ask uh, some important questions that... That, that weigh priorities. And one of the impacts of, and I'm not speaking, by the way, here of Ottawa because I haven't looked at it that closely, but I can tell you a place like Toronto or a place like London, the green belts have basically greatly uh, led to great increases in prices, and that's increased poverty. I mean, you think about the fact that we, you know, low income uh, households who have got to have subsidized subsidies. Um, th- their eligibility for subsidies is driven by prices in the market. If they can't afford housing prices in the market, they have to go into the public housing sphere. And I can tell you that the one thing I do know about the city of Ottawa, like so many other cities in Canada and, and elsewhere, mind you, you have a waiting list for for so so. This is not just an issue of middle income housing affordability; it is an issue of poverty. Yes, uh, a long wait list to get into even, uh, say, public housing, for example. Oh, yeah, indeed. And yeah. By the way, though, that's typical. I mean, you, sure. you go with just about to any city in North America, and you're going to find the same thing. Now, I want to ask you this, because, of course, the members of our city council, they, a minority, I would say, are vehemently opposed to any expansion of the urban boundary uh, in the city of Ottawa, and they and they favor intensification. What What's your analysis of the intensification side of uh... well again you 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 really can't
can't intensify much more than the market is willing to let you intensify, and there's a lot of neighborhood resistance, as you know. Yeah. Take a look at Toronto. I mean, what, what an impressive job they have done in central Toronto in terms of building intensified housing. But what has happened, and this is not because of the intensification, but what has happened because of the green belt, you've got land prices that are so high that house prices have more than doubled relative to incomes. And so you know, I would argue to the extent that there's demand for intensification, fine. You need to be careful how you do it. Uh, but, but basically to just say, well, we're going to do X by intensification and Y by greenfield development doesn't say anything about the market. And if you over, uh, overshoot, your, overshoot, overshoot the market with respect to intensification, that's going to add to the demand for housing that will drive up prices, too. And, and, you know, I mean, I don't have information for Canada on this, but we've done analysis in the United States uh, based upon cost of living indexes and so on. Eighty-eight percent of the difference between the high-cost metropolitan areas in the United States and the medium, you know, the middle metropolitan areas, 88 percent is the cost of housing. Okay. So housing, as Richard Florida at the University of Toronto has put it, housing drives the cost of living. I also wonder if, say, holding the line on the urban boundary really does stop sprawl or w- whether people, they, they will still come into the city to work, but they won't live in the city. We certainly see that with the with the suburban communities in Toronto, and we're seeing it in Ottawa. People who can't yeah, afford to I, live I, in I, Ottawa well, will live in, I mean, in Toronto. In, I'm yeah. sorry. sorry, I, I would just <laughs> say we have people who work in Ottawa, but they, they can't afford to live in Ottawa, so they live in Armprior. Or they, well, they, and beyond that, and I realize, yeah. you know, if you need in Ottawa, you may not have, be quite as free to move to Kitchener as, as, as others, because obviously the federal government uh, has most of its employment there. But you think about what's going on in Toronto at this point. Latest Stats Canada uh, population estimates, CMA population estimates, have shown a big migration to places like Kitchener-Waterloo, um, Guelph, even London at this point, which is so far away. Now, those people clearly aren't working in downtown uh, uh, Toronto, but a lot of them are probably working near T- Pearson Airport and so on. This is happening around the world. In California, for example, which we all remember. I'm, I'm old enough to remember when California grew. It was the fastest-growing place in, in the United States for 150 years. California has lost 2 million domestic migrants. That is, people from moving from the state to other states in the United States. And so what happens when you have the kinds of policies that Toronto has or Vancouver has in California, people move to other places. And so, yeah, I mean, it doesn't stop sprawl at all. It, it just uh, impacts the area inside the urban boundary. Okay. Thank you, sir. Very interesting. Yep. That's uh, Senior Fellow, Frontier Center for Public Policy, Wendell Cox. The news is coming up on 1310 News and Rogers TV.